Hello and welcome back to another episode of Otafu Susume, or Recommendations for My Otaku Spouse. I'm Wesley. And I'm Jen. So let's get started. We are back today with another manga recommendation. Your enthusiasm, as ever, is overwhelming. Yes. My man. <laughs> Slow down. There we go. I never know how to how to start these off. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's what we're talking about. Yay. <laughs> Note to self, don't hire Jen for color commentary. Oh, no, I'm the worst. I am, yeah, not good. At okay. the talking. At the talking. At the talking of the English. Lovely. Yeah. Do you want to do the play-by-play and I'll do the color then? Yes. Excellent. What's the play-by-play? That's where you describe the action and then I make pithier remarks. Ah, so a marriage. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, lovely. So what manga are we talking about? We are talking about Maiko-san Shi no Makanai-san or Kyo and Kyoto Life in the Maiko House. Sounds interesting. So what's this about? I'm actually double-guessing che- double the name, because that's what they called it on NHK World for the anime adaptation, but that seems really wordy for a manga title on the side of a book. Um, the manga hasn't been translated yet. Oh, I thought it was. Nope. Well, clearly. It's not yet. been licensed. Only the anime is out in English. Well, that's a shame. Hmm. I think, I, think, I think we'll have to come back to this subject. It's okay. on my list. It's on your list. It's on my list. You've got a list. I've got a list. Lovely. So I started reading this a while back. Hang on, what's it about? Well, it's about... Kyo and Kyoto, Life in the Maiko House, I just said. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, it's it's about um, two young girls. Well, young girls, they're both, what, 15, 16? Mm-hmm. And they move from Aomori, which is way up in the northeast of Japan, to Kyoto, which is smack dab right in the middle, with the hope of becoming Maiko, which is, I mean, geisha are the famous ones, even though geisha in Kyoto are commonly called geiko, but Maiko are essentially geisha in training. And they live in a dormitory system, and their lives are incredibly regulated while they learn and practice to be Maiko and then Geisha. And this follows these two girls from Aomori, mm-hmm. uh, Sumire and Kyo. And Sumire shows a lot of promise, and Kyo less so. So Kyo starts taking on the roles of the housekeeper, doing a lot of kind of the odd tasks, but mostly the cooking around the house, mm-hmm. which is in Japanese, the Makanai-san. And how did you start with this? Because you were the one that recommended this to me. Yes. I mean, it's anyone who reads it will immediately know this was a Wesley recommendation as opposed to a Jen recommendation. Yes, definitely. I mean, I could tell that. <laughs> well, yeah, because I recommended it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't actually remember. I just remember that I started reading it, and I don't remember why, and I immediately fell in love with it. Fair enough. Because and... I, I remember you recommended this to me like most of the recommendations on this podcast, uh, several years ago, maybe? Quite some time. Quite some time. Quite some time. And we even bought the first three volumes and had them on our shelves for probably over a year. Probably, yes. And I only read them because of the podcast, <laughs> which is the whole point of the podcast. Hooray, Yay, it's, it's working! working. <laughs> but by sheer coincidence, when after I started reading the manga, we found out that they're releasing an anime. Yes, it's a, to anyone out there who is interested, it's a monthly anime coming out towards the end of each month. And if you're in the West, outside of Japan, it's released for free on nhkworld.com or whatever it is. We'll put a link in the we'll put a link. show notes. Yes. But it's all, it's official English subtitle with some English narrative we can talk about. Yes. 
and I guess I think I'm guessing it's basically an advert to go see Kyoto. Hundred percent, based on what parts of the show are in English. Hundred percent, but it's also very much about a very traditional part of culture, of Japanese culture, which probably explains why it's an NHK production.、Mm. For those unaware, NHK is the public broadcasting of Japan, more like the BBC than PBS.、Uh, for those with who might be more familiar with both the British and American systems, in that it receives a lot receives a lot more funding than PBS and has a lot more clout than PBS. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard of. Oh, I know. I think I have heard of PBS. Exactly. I think they sponsor some YouTube channels. Do they? Yeah. Well. So they're actually okay. Interesting. They are the American Public Broadcast System, hence、huh. PBS, public broadcast station, one of the two, and they have none of the prestige that NHK or BBC does. Nope. Yeah. Cool. Lovely. So the NHK is releasing that. NHK so, is releasing this. Okay. Interesting thing I noticed was the manga advertises itself as a food manga. It's sort、yes. of a food slice of life about Japanese culture. Yes. Reading it though, I don't think it's a food manga. Does it advertise itself as a food manga? Yes. I mean, there is new food in every chapter. Yes, I think I think it does actually sell itself as a food manga. Okay. But reading it, it doesn't feel like a food manga because it's not really about the food. It's about the Maiko and their lives, and food just happens to happen. Yes, food is part of everyone's life. Yes, but it's not like the food is intrinsically tied to the Maiko. So like. Uh, I'm trying to say Shingeki no Soma. God damn it, Wes. <laughs> yeah, Shingeki no Soma, Attack on Soma. Attack on Soma. Yeah, yeah. So Attack on Soma,、uh, Food Wars. It's definitely about food. Like everything is about food. The whole system is about these new recipes and about focusing on people eating and enjoying the food. It's a shonen battle manga, but the battle is food. Yes. Yes. But in Michael, they don't really focus on people. I guess they do kind of have some shots of people eating the food and enjoying them. And Kia was always thinking about food, but the food they're making is just like nothing special. And I don't think the food really adds anything to it. It's more, oh yes, and there's food. Can I briefly segue and then come back to this? Okay. Would you say that this manga is similar to any of the other manga that I've recommended, more so than others? Oh god! What manga have you recommended? I need to look at my list. <laughs> I mean, you know, probably not rookies. No, not rookies. It's not like Bisque Doll or Komisan, because those are romance, and this is slice of life. Not really. I mean, this is definitely a West manga. It's definitely a West manga. Can I say which one I think it really reminds me of? What? Komisan. Really? Yeah.、Was、and he, the reason why it's easier to read than Komisan. <laughs> that's true.、Um, The reason why how I'm getting at that, and I'll pull us back onto the main road we were on, is that it starts off very slice of life,、mm-hmm. as Komi does. Komi is kind of a character of the week chapter type thing. Yeah, it happens, and nothing massively plot driven happens for a while in Komi. Yes. And nothing massively plot driven happens in this for a while. Oh, so just plot kick in? Because I've、plot、read four、in. volumes of the manga, and I haven't got any plot. You've. I mean, none of the girls have plot. They're all sixteen. They're laying groundwork. Okay. And it's because of the food. When you're saying that the food doesn't matter much, that made me think about it.、Okay. Especially because some of the, there was a slight bit in the second episode of the anime that we watched、mm-hmm. that starts to lead into it. And actually, I think 
some of the decisions that she's started making have been leading into it as well if you're in volume four of the manga okay hmm okay i guess i need to keep reading then because i haven't got any plot so far but the point i wanted to make was that the although the manga doesn't feel right now like it's it has much to do with the food the anime felt more like a food anime because they actually stop and talk about the food Oh, at the end of each at the kind end of, of each, sub episode. Yeah, yeah. Each epi- big episode is split into three sub episodes, mm, where yeah. they kind of discuss the food and misconceptions about food and the history of food. And so, it's the anime is definitely more. Oh, this is a food show as opposed to at least the first four four volumes of the manga. I mean, every single chapter of the manga ends with um, the dish that she's cooked, but it's not exactly anything fancy. Okay, so this is one thing I complained about. Was you always see Kyo out buying daikon. Yes. Like massive radish seeds that are probably about the size of like half of her. <laughs> I don't know if they're that big, but okay. And so you see her buying this daikon all the time, and I've never, ever seen her cook with daikon once. I think part of that comes to what you were saying earlier, in that you were saying the food's nothing fancy, mm. but everything she's cooking is fancy by comparison to what you eat on a daily basis. No, it's well, okay. It's what we eat on the daily basis. It's like she, but like like when they show her making the big stamina dish, and she's making um, scalloped potatoes and gratin and all these different things like that. It's a bunch of big, hearty Western mm. foods that seem like standards to us, but a standard in a mica house would be using things like that daikon to be making more traditional Japanese soups and stews and yeah, but fried we don't fish. see any of that traditional it's, japanese food it's true and i think part of that is because it's a more traditional there is like there's the big episode or it's the big chapter i think in volume four where she learns how to make traditional kyoto udon yes because she makes aomori udon which isn't what people in kyoto want but the whole thing about the kyoto udon is that she even says all oh, the ingredients for this are really simple there are only four ingredients yes but that's an example of, A, she's making something more traditional and more simple, but they fit it into the plot in a way that it made sense. That's true. Whereas the other things, if it's a food manga, they're not commonly going to be making, oh, what did you make today? I made grilled mackerel in my sock in a drawer and then put it up with a bowl of rice and a thing of miso. That's not commonly what you're going to see in a food manga just because it's so every day. Might- yeah, you, you might, but there might be. there's usually going to be more story reason to it. Like with the udon, it's because the mother of the house the house mother was ill mm. and it was to show the difference between aomori and kyoto okay so something that's not quite fancy is like in one of these chapters she cooks hot dogs yes another one she has microwaved apples with sugar yes and it's like these aren't exactly i don't know when i think of a food manga that's not exactly what i think of like we have a whole bunch of food manga i can quickly grab off the shelf and flick through to see what kind of stuff they cook but it's never it's never like just regular food there's always something special to it true and she is a 16 year old girl so i think that it makes complete sense that she's not making these outrageous meals yeah um i don't remember shingeki shokugeki no <laughs> nice shingeki food no wars. yeah food, food wars. wars uh is complete nuts and half what they do just slowly gets more and more crazy as they go along which is why i started hating it mm-hmm. like someone decides to cook with a chainsaw why you're not adding flavor to that you're adding gasoline <laughs> jackass anyway um, so but but i think i think it's leading into what i was saying earlier like especially that chapter with the baked apples that you're just so quickly dismissing i'm not quickly dismissing but you're saying saying it doesn't doesn't feel like a food manga that's all i'm saying and I, i think that's why i was also saying like oh i guess it's kind of a food manga without thinking off the top of my head yeah it's a food manga is because 
they use those foods to do different things later. Okay. Like, especially that chapter with the apple isn't a big thing later, but it's a prime example of what I was talking about as being important. I guess I don't know what, I actually don't know what you're referring to, so I haven't read that far yet. Yeah. But I have to take your word for it that the food becomes important. I don't even want to say the food becomes important. The food acts as a tool to what's important. Yes. Okay. No, I agree with you on that. That's definitely what's being used in all the chapters, which is why I'm thinking it's not really a food manga. It's because the focus isn't on the food. It's the on focus the is on between, everything else. Yeah. It's on the relationship between the two main girls. Yeah. Sumie and Kyo. Yes. Definitely. And the food is used to show that relationship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We can agree on that. And the food's going to be used to explore that further in the future. And so, yeah, if they're trying to market it as a food manga, that's kind of weird to me. Which is, which <laughs> I guess, in the, which in the anime they are doing more, which is kind of weird to me as well. But it also makes sense why they would sell it as a food manga, because as I said, every chapter ends with um, like a picture of the food that they cook and just a little bit talking about it. And that happens in every food manga. The chapter always ends with a showcase of the food and maybe even a recipe. I don't know if Shokugeki no Sama did that, but, uh, but um, that was a shonen battle manga, not a food manga. Oh, the one about the father and daughter who cook together with the high school girl. Lightning Oh, and... um, yeah. Sweetness and Lightning. Sweetness and Lightning. That, every single chapter of that ended with a recipe. Yep. And talking about the food. Yeah. So that was definitely a food manga. It doesn't have to be fancy, though. Like, um, no. Poyo Poyo, Poyo Poyos? Whatever it was, the udon one. About the tanuki making udon. Yeah. That one had nothing fancy whatsoever. Every episode was, we made udon, we made udon, we made yeah, but udon. But that's is... still a food manga. Was it? It's as much of a food manga as this. Which means it wasn't. Exactly. Aha. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I because, guess there are because very a manga range... uses food doesn't make it a food manga is I guess what I'm trying to say. <gasps> so I guess they, they range very broadly in terms of how food is used in food manga. Yes. But I, I yeah. I definitely think they were advertising themselves as a food manga. Until I talked to you, I never got that impression. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the whole point I'm making is it's not a big deal. Yes. Even though it is, <laughs> subtly. Okay, so one other thing I had an issue with the food was, um, so these are all, these are all Maiko. They're all teenage girls. And yet Kyo, as I said, she never cooks with the daikon that I see. She always cooks them like takeout food, like Traditionally, stuff that you would probably buy in a family restaurant in Japan. Like very oily, fatty, bready, like hot dogs, donuts, uh, omurice, katsudon. She keeps cooking them these really unhealthy foods. Yes, but I think based on the reaction that the people give to her, that's what, make, that's what always made me think that it wasn't an everyday thing. I think time is moving a bit faster than what they're showing. And that in between these special days, it's more regular stuff. Well, they need to do a better job of saying that. I don't, maybe it's because we're, we're, we're not Japanese and we're reading this. So like one of the things that I noticed in the anime is um, that they take time to explain Japanese culture a lot more. And I think that's one of the things about the whole food segments when they break down what they were cooking is that they're kind of educating the audience who is clearly supposed to be foreigners about Japanese culture, whereas if you're a Japanese person reading this, you know this. You know all of this. So they don't need to tell you. So maybe it's because our interpretation of the manga is slightly different to what a native Japanese person, how a native Japanese person would interpret the manga. Is that, that you think that's where the food issue is coming from? I think... Not that it's a food manga or not, but that she's making fattier foods than you'd expect. Yes. 
or just that they're not really or as you said the passage of time isn't as clearly defined to us but if a Japanese person was reading it maybe it would be maybe their interpretation would be different from ours maybe because there's like so in the recent one where the house mom gets ill mm. you know there's a whole thing where people are coming home and it's really cold mm. and the uh, heater isn't working and all that so that's a clear winter scene but then there's other bits which are clear summer scenes or there's mm. clear fall scenes mm-hmm. so I think it's they may not exp- or like in the last episode that we watched second episode two she's shoveling snow so that's going to be early year based on when we get snow in this part of the world you know that's probably january february ish Mm -hmm. so there's like hints as to the passage of time but not blatant in your face and part of that is because it's not a school manga Mm -hmm. you know there she's training to be a maiko she's not going to high school every day she's not she is a maiko kiyo is not training to be a maiko kiyo is no longer training to be a maiko sumire is a maiko but is also still in training because you never really stopped training and but because of that they're not going to school every day and so unlike something that would have high schoolers that are in school you don't get oh, now it's time for a test, now it's time for mm. an exam, now it's time for a spring break, now it's time for a summer break, gosh, you know, there's all, whenever you're reading a school manga, there's a very clear passage of time because there's all these different school landmarks that you hit. And we're not getting those, but you kind of sometimes in the background get hints that time is changing without explicitly in your face saying. Does this mean that the ca- chapters are jumping about? Because they're still 16, yet we've had, as you said, summer, winter, spring and fall. Um, that I, we've had a New Year's scene I think they have a, well, that would still be in the winter. Yes. New Year's would be in the same winter thing. The shoveling scene is before the New Year. Was even it? though, yeah. The, sho- the shoveling time. scene, I think, is in the first or second volume. Oh, and then sense. and then I think they go home in the third volume for New Year. Maybe it was an early snow. Maybe maybe they do have a little bit of jumping around. I don't know. But now, now I'm curious. Now I'm, now I'm going to pay attention to the time a lot more when reading this. Because I do know also, like, a birthday comes up. And then mm-hmm. another one of the other characters has a birthday come up. And so you do get this flow of time that's just not as blatant as some, I guess. Mm. Because, I mean, like I said, there's that Kia's feeding all these Maiko these fatty foods, and I was wondering how they're not getting fat. Being a Maiko is hard work. <laughs> Clearly. So I'm going to feed them no vegetables, except evidently daikon somehow, but I'm not going to show you how I'm feeding them this daikon. <laughs> well, in the big scene where she gets stopped by the cops because she's got all the daikon, she's also carrying a huge bag of potatoes. Yes, you never see her cook with them. Well, you see her cook with potatoes. I feel like... They, I mean, literally, the scene after that, she served up the gratin. Maybe that's a bit of a... Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I guess maybe, to me, that just feels like a bit of a disconnect. Like, you see her going to the supermarket all the time, but you never see her buying the ingredients that she then cooks with. Mm, yeah, that's fair enough. They There's some later chapters where they do that specifically. I mean, where they go to get certain ingredients and then mm, do this and that okay. with them. Because so. I was just thinking Goku Shufudo, where yeah. the house husband, they actually go out and get ingredients. Oh, but then you never really see him cook them because they're such a short chapter. Yeah, the only thing he cooks in that is when he chases later, when he threatens the knife salesman act by accident. <laughs> ah, good times. Good times. So this is a, a food manga slash not a food manga about Kyo. Yes. But it's not about Kyo. It's also about Sumire. It's more about Sumire than it is about Kyo. From the, yeah. uh, from the early volumes that yeah. I've read. Yes. <laughs> It's about the relationship between the two. Yes. Because, I mean, the, the manga doesn't even start talking about Kyo for two chapters. The first chapter, which I found really interesting, um, kind of introduces the Maiko house and how it works. And then the second chapter is following the mother of the Maiko house. And then she kind of tells the story about how Kyo ended up as their housekeeper. 
and then Kyo becomes the main character. Hmm. And so I, I found it really interesting that, oh, I'm expecting this character, but she's not here. Where is she? And so it kind of kept me more intrigued a little longer. But As opposed to Comey, where you read a chapter, hated it, put it down, and came back a year later. Yes. Fair enough. Because you forced me to. Yes. And I haven't picked it up since. <laughs> well, now that I've told you that plot goes further in this one later, let's hope you keep reading it. No, I think I am going to keep reading uh, Michael Sanchi. Okay, good. Um, but uh, as I was saying, is that it, then it kind of becomes key about Kyo, but then it also doesn't. Like, the focus, at least in the early chapters, seemed to be more on Sumire, Sumire and how she's... No, Sumire. Is it Sumire or Sumire? Sumire. Oh, Sumire. Okay. Sumie is the ink painting. Oh, true. Um, nobody, I don't know if anybody could actually hear the difference between those two words. But, it's fine. <laughs> but um, so Sumire, it's about Sumire becoming a Maiko and her training and her working hard and her worrying about how Kyo is going to take it because Kyo wasn't able to make it as a Maiko. And we don't really see much in terms of how Kyo feels about things besides the fact that she's constantly happy for everybody. Like, she doesn't ever seem to be worried or tired or anxious. She always just seems to be the typical Genki, optimistic main character. Yes. We haven't seen any of her personality. And I, I think that's kind of a shame. I think that does carry on a bit more. I do think Sumire gets more time to... What's the right word? Grow? Feel? Grow, express yes. herself? Yeah, those are all good ways to put it. <laughs> Like, she cries, she's happy, she she has this whole range of emotions, and Kyo is just like, yay, good for you. <laughs> and I, I think that actually does continue somewhat as well, when the plot starts kicking off a bit more. But then again, I guess Kyo is a, the main character of a manga, and in Japan, that's definitely a stereotype. Mm-hmm. At least, when, definitely when it comes to jump, show, show, jump. show in manga. This isn't jump. I know, I know, it's, it's nowhere near jump. But... This is Sunday. I mean, it's it's close. It's the second biggest or third biggest shonen Are you right? magazine. It, it is a shonen manga. It doesn't feel like a shonen manga. It is. I think it's what shonen Sunday comic special. Yep. So it's not actually Sunday. It's their the spinoff brand. Spinoff brand, kind of. I don't know. It gets really weird with how publishing works in this country. But technically, it's a shonen manga, <laughs> <laughs> even though it feels it feels more like. And this is what I wish more shoujo manga would be like. Yes, yes, 100% yes. Because they're spending time to actually build character for their female characters Mm -hmm. rather than just And it doesn't have to have a romance. I mean, that's the problem with shoujo manga is that they're all like, oh, we need to have a romance in here because it's a shoujo manga. Why can't you have shoujo manga without having romance? Like you've got a shonen manga right here that doesn't have fighting. Uh, Probably why more women read shonen manga than they do shoujo except sumire is gonna beat all the other maiko to be the number one maiko in japan yeah well it's not really a competition she's just natural by fighting them (laughs) not that kind of of fighting not that kind of fighting maiko wars (laughs) i'd watch it yeah i do agree with you though that i do think sumire is given more time to shine and i don't really think you do learn more about kyo but it is sumire's manga which belies the title Mm mm-hmm it's kind of like the story is told through from Kyo's perspective as she's watching her friend succeed and just supporting her. I guess she's happy doing that. And I guess that's the important thing. So you don't like the food and you don't like the title character. I never, oh my God. 
I never said I didn't like them. I just was having a discussion about is this a food manga or not? And is this a manga about Kyo when it's not? I didn't say I didn't like them. I was just creating conversation. You asshole. Rude. You were the rude one. You started this. So what is it then that makes you really want to keep reading it? Because you were saying you definitely think you're going to keep reading this. Yeah, I think I will. I like how it's... For one thing, it's actually really easy to read. Um, one of my complaints about Komi-san is the fact that the font always changed and it was very small and the pictures were very busy. Whereas with Kyo-san, it's very... Actually, kind of reminded me of um, Yotsuba because volume 15 of the Yotsuba manga came out. Mm. And I breezed through that one and it was just it was just a very pleasant read. And I find that this is also a very pleasant read because it's... In Japanese, you'd say iashi. It's very soothing to read. It flows. It flows. It's relaxing. The chapters are short, so I don't really need to invest much time in them, even though I then suddenly find I finished a volume. So I think I, I think I'm going to keep reading it because I like how I feel when I read it. That's a good thing. Yeah. Like for once, I don't need a story because I'm not expecting one. I know I complained a lot last time about a spy family not having a story. It's the difference of expectation. Yes. Spy Family acts like it should have a story, but doesn't. Mm -hmm. I don't think you walk into this one. It's, but and part of that is because it presents, it, as you were saying, I guess it sells itself as a food manga, whereas to me mm -hmm. it sold itself more as a slice of life. And so you don't walk in expecting a story. Yeah, you don't expect plot from a slice of life. Yeah. And so what you get, then you're pleasantly surprised by. Mm -hmm. And it's that managing expectations I think is important for an author to do when they're thinking about what do I actually want to create. Well, not just an author, but the publisher. The publisher as well, yeah. So you said it's easy to read. Mm -hmm. I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> I know what you're going to ask. <laughs> All of the characters except one talk in Kyoto Ben. Yes, <laughs> in Japanese. It's still easy. Okay, so here's a little backstory into Wes and my relationship. I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast before, but we've been together for 10 years this month. Yes. And uh, we first met in Kansai Gaidai in Osaka 10 years ago. Yes. So I lived in Osaka for like nine months. And you stayed with a host family for that time who spoke very strong Kyoto. Well, not Kyoto, Osaka but Osaka-ben. Yes. And despite what Osaka people and Kyoto people say, Osaka-ben and Kyoto-ben are very similar. They have overlapping traits. Yes. And so the combination of that and watching a butt-ton of anime, I can read it without any issue so so even though it's a difficult dialect and i definitely would not recommend this to beginner japanese speakers yeah i really like it i think it's i think it's still easy to read how did you find it i brought this up actually when we were watching the anime yeah i find kyoto ben a lot easier to understand spoken than written like i'll see it written and i'm like what the heck is that and then i read it to myself and I go oh and i know it but just that like first blush i'm like what but when it's spoken, all of a sudden it all makes sense to me, mm -hmm. So I, it, which is really weird to me. Well, I guess because, like I said, you were stayed with the host family and we watched a load of anime, so we, we're more used to listening to it than we are reading it. Yes. It'll be like if somebody spoke in slang British English, not Cockney, don't you dare, don't. So if somebody had spoken it that way and then written an entire novel in that voice, it would be a very different experience. You're mouthing it. Stop I'm not, it. I'm not mouthing anything. <laughs> I'm hidden behind my pop filter. You can't see. Okay. So yeah, that's my point is that 
re- reading and listening to something are two very different experiences, even if you are... Like in... Um, actually, a good example, if anybody's read Terry Pratchett's We Free Men. The We Free Men speak in a Scottish accent. And that's really, really hard to read. Oh, that was an issue people used to have with the old Dragon Quest games, too. They, they still speak in accents, but they used to also write the text in the accents. Yeah. So when you get the Scottish character, because it always was a Scottish character, it'd be written... In Scots. In Scots. And it would be... Well, not actually Scots in, like... Wiki- this isn't a Scots Wikipedia Wikipedia issue, fake but, Scott. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was always an issue. Yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed seeing in the anime, though, mm-hmm. is they have a flashback to Aomori as well, and they actually did it for this as well, which I thought was really cool. They got dialect coaches both for Kyoto Ben and for Aomori, the Aomori accent, for the Kyoto accent, the Aomori accent. So when the characters are in those places in their lives, they're speaking with the proper accent that they would actually speak with for those areas. And it was interesting because when we were watching it, and they have this flashback to Aomori, and you've got this character who's been speaking Kyoto Ben is now a flashback to when they're a child and they're speaking uh, in Aomori accent. And you can hear the difference. Mm. Now, I don't know how much that'll be apparent to someone who doesn't know Japanese, but to me, as soon as kid version started talking, I went, oh, wait. They're speaking They're speaking differently. Yeah. And I don't know if that's like, to me, it was just, I don't know the particulars. To, to me, how it came out was Tohoku which is the northeast of Japan, which is where Aomori is. But it was instantly there. And then in the credits, I saw they had a voice coach for that, and I thought that was really cool. You mentioned um, when I was reading this, oh, some, something about how Maiko and Kyoto Ben, that I didn't know. I haven't actually come across it in the manga yet, or I haven't noticed it. Well, I mean, there's a reason they no longer speak the Aomori accent. Oh, it's because all Maiko and Kyoto have to speak Kyoto Ben. Yeah, so they, yeah, so they I, study it. Yeah, it, it, because... So, uh, as I said at the beginning, you have these two characters from Aomori who've moved to Kyoto at the age of 16. This is a big move. I mean, this isn't just going to the next prefecture over. They've moved halfway across the country. And Maiko come from all over the country to Kyoto, or prospective Maiko come from all over the country to Kyoto, and they have to do interviews for this, essentially. It's like, it's, it's Some of like almost like audition. A, yeah, it's it, maybe not... Yeah, kind of. It's almost like you're applying to a very prestigious high school that's not actually a high school, because that also happens in Japan. And you get all of these cult, all of these characters who bring their own things to it. There was an issue, um, actually one of the things in the last episode we just watched was Kyo and Sumire were talking about an Aomori dish that one of the other Maiko recognized, but she knew it by a different name, because it's a dish that has a different name wherever you are in the country. Mm. And so it was one of those whole things. But when people go to Kyoto to get the Maiko experience, be that foreign tourists or even Japanese tourists, they want the Kyoto Maiko experience. They don't want the Aomori Kyoto. Ao, they don't experience. want the Aomori that that's going to ruin the illusion. Because mm-hmm. as I was saying, as soon as we jumped back to Aomori, I was like, oh, they're talking differently, and so there's an expectation. And so part of this learning process that I was that we've mentioned they go through when learning to become Maiko is learning to speak Kyoto Ben. And you don't get that as much. I mean, you can hear the difference between how Sumire talks and Kyo talks. Because mm-hmm. Kyo doesn't speak in a Kyoto Ben accent. She's like the one character in Kyoto who doesn't. Mm-hmm. But there's a new, there's an influx of new girls who come uh, later. I, think, I thought she did a little bit. I mean, she might here and there. But yeah. for the most part, she doesn't. Well, I think also the, the Kyoto Ben that the Maiko seem to speak seems to be a very structured it's Kyoto a more ben. classical style yes. as well, yeah. So it's it's almost like it's purposefully 
taught to them i mean like you said it's obviously purposely taught to them but they have to speak a very certain way rather than the kyoto ben that probably people living in kyoto would speak yes it's a very proper mm, mm-hmm. way of saying it it's a like to borrow again from the british it's the received pronunciation of kyoto ben so it's kind of like when you learn to be an actor in the uk you have to learn how to pronounce properly you have to learn shakespearean english level yeah, if you're going to be a Shakespearean actor, you learn Shakespearean English. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a Kyoto Maiko, you learn... Kyoto Japanese. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just part of what you do. And there is there's is a scene later on where they get an influx of new girls and they spend more time showing mm-hmm. that this is something you have to learn to do. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult for some people because it's a big change. So one thing I was thinking, um, which I wanted to ask you actually while reading this, is... How would you translate the Kyoto accent that they use? Because I was reading it, it's like, ah, oh, this would be really fun to translate. <laughs> it's okay. Get it out of the way. <laughs> Traditionally, the Kansai Ben accent is translated as a Southern accent, and I wouldn't do that at all. No, I wouldn't it say is... traditionally. I'd say infamously. Infamously. Infamously, the anime infamously. is dubbed. Osaka Ben accent is dubbed. Into I mean, yeah, the character accent. Osaka in Azumanga Daio. Spoke with a draw, became Texas. And Rip. I think it is because it is a very distinct accent while still being easily discernible. And Mm -hmm. so in English, they're like, oh, well, English television speaks the California accent, which is kind of the non-accent of America, but it isn't, I don't know, it's a whole thing. And we need something that's clearly different from that. We'll just go Southern because all of our recording studios are in the South anyway, because we don't want to pay California union rates because we're cheap. And it's still that way today. Yay. Yeah. Anyway, so. So that aside, ignoring that, ignoring ignoring that, I definitely would not do that. I think that would be a bad way to do it. Touching on what we just said, something more Shakespearean would be interesting. It would be a lot of work to do a proper Shakespearean English for those characters. Okay, so the thing about translating accents is it's definitely a matter of perception. A Southern drawl wouldn't work for Kyoto because... Kyoto people are seen as being very refined, especially Maiko and and Geiko. So I think even a Shakespearean accent wouldn't work because it sounds very fake. I think if you maybe if you had um, like Kabuki, that would make sense because it's Um, it's a play, it's a a, a performance. Maybe then you just want to not go full Shakespearean, but you'd want to do more prim proper English. Mm Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was actually thinking specifically period English, like Jane Austen, Pride and Prejudice, the importance of being earnest, that level of tone. The, the Regency period. The Regency period. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when I was reading it. I was like, oh, I bet this would work really well in Regency era English. Because yeah. that's kind of where it falls back as well, is because the Kyoto accent that they're using is very old. It's very traditional. It's been, It's kind of been kept the same over... Like without hundreds being, of years. Without being too stagey. Yes. Yes. Like, if, if you still wanted to act like you had a stick shoved a little too far up there, in modern-day England, you could still somehow speak that way and come off as a twat, but not exactly... Yeah, you you come yeah. off as being... Like you said, the perception would be upper-class, posh. Uptight. Kind of above everyone else. Depending yeah. on, the, on the type of words you use, you can be, yeah, flexible. I think if you're going full Regency, you'd come off as uptight at any party nowadays. I mean, come on, what's the big show that everyone's been dying, well, we're dying over? Um, Downton Abbey. 
Oh, yes. Tell me that nobody living in Downton Abbey is going to come off as anything but uptight. If you spoke like that outside of the show. I'm going to say posh. Posh is uptight. Except for Posh Spice, it's uptight. (laughs) She wasn't even posh. It's in her name. Anyway, we're not gonna we're gonna talk about the the complex social structures of the UK or the Spice Girls or the Spice Girls. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I, I do think that would be an interesting way to go about it. If anybody wants to hire a translator, I can't because I've got a full time job. But Wes will do it, and I'll, <laughs> I'll shadow translate for him. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was just th- thought that would be a fun fun thing to ask you. How dare you? I know I'm I'm terrible. I'm the worst. How dare I ask you about translation? Well, it puts these ideas in my head, and then I sit there and think about it for the next hour. More like the next week. Oh, don't go on with that. <laughs> now you're speaking British. <laughs> this is your fault. Ten years of corruption. Yay! Happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it does go both ways. I mean, I said, I said pants the other day when I meant trousers. Ugh! Uh. Rinse my mouth out with soap. Uh the worst (laughs) so speaking of speaking oh okay (laughs) there are little bits in the anime where they do english yes that we said we'd come back to and i remember i don't like it you don't like it i don't like it i don't like it (laughs) (laughs) i remember when we first started the first episode oh yeah and immediately it's it's not even english voice it's the english voice it's the voice you hear when you're on the train and you come to the station at a major station Mm mm-hmm now stopping at Shin Osaka Station. Doors to my left. Mm-hmm. It, it's that English voice. So it's not even a natural English voice. But the episode started with that. And, and we were both like, oh, no. Yeah, we were both like, oh, no. I put on the English dub. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> and we went looking for it, and there's nothing else. You get that, but it's only for the culture sections, And it's not subtitled, and so I don't actually know. What Japanese people are supposed to watch. Or if it's like, if because it, we're watching this on the foreign NHK website, and we couldn't mm-hmm. find it on the natural, oh, I didn't spend that time much time looking, but a quick search didn't pull it up on the regular NHK website, so I don't I, know if that's what's broadcast to the Japanese or not. Yeah, it's it's a little, but I think it is, because when we go to the, when we go to the secondhand bookshops, as we do every single, every time, <laughs> when we go to the bookshops, um, they have the Michael Sanchi manga sitting in the, on the shelves of currently airing anime. No, I mean, I think it is currently airing. I just don't know that if I were Where? to find it over the air, mm. would it still have the English culture sections? Or I mean, would those, I mean, the, there'd be something in that scene, but would it be in Japanese or would it still be in English? Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't, don't know. know. But I do wish it was slightly more natural sounding English. Mm. The unnatural it's and that's part of what makes this so confusing is that because it's so unnaturally english it makes me think that it might be broadcast that way because it's spoken in a way that you'd hear in, in a classroom mm. so is it for japanese people slightly slowed down and precise i think it's also probably because unfortunately in japan foreign language equals english yes and this is a problem I've seen in other places where it links to, oh, the French website, and the French website is in English. <laughs> and this is especially the case for, I mean, you hear about a lot of anime and games that have been translated for Southeast Asian countries, and they've been translated into English. 
Oh, that's actually a problem that um, to throw back to another episode we just talked about the Digimon card game. Oh, oh yes, you were saying they have. They've got two territories essentially, where one of which is you use Japanese language cards, which is Japan and Southeast Asia, and then the rest is where you use English language cards, which is the rest of the world. And they because put English up... equals foreign. Yes, but they put up a website for the Southeast Asian countries that isn't the Japanese website, and everything on the website is in English, and most of it's poor English. Yes, that is the problem. It's and poor half of English. It's not updated. Mm-hmm. So it's. I'm, I'm... It's bad English for a Southeast Asian audience because I guess English is their second language, but then that's not teaching them correct English. But it's kind of become the correct English. It's, it's why you see a lot of signs in Japan saying the something. Like, that's not how you use the. But anyway, yeah, it's really annoying. And the, I mean, the English is all correct. It just doesn't sound natural to an English ear. Yes. Which is why we were like, wait, why are we watching Robot? anime <laughs> not that kind of robot anime yeah i i mean i think because this is made for foreigners dirty foreigners <laughs> and i'm guessing it's probably aimed at foreigners where english isn't their first language the the anime i don't know if i'm going to keep watching the anime but i'm definitely going to keep reading the manga because the anime is basically just scenes from the manga with a couple of anything animated has been rotoscoped is that how you say it rotoscope Rotoscoping is a technique. It is. And I don't know if it's specifically the one they're using, but it does look like maybe the scene was 3D rendered and they drew over it or something to that effect. Mm. I think it was rotoscoped. It's it's I think I think that's copyrighted, which is why I'm hesitant to say oh, it's okay. definitely rotoscoped. Okay, fair enough. It's the cheap version. It's <laughs> rotoscope light. <laughs> I, and America copyrights are weird. But well, in Japan, they can do whatever they want. It's all weird. I don't understand any of this. <laughs> but that's why I'm not a lawyer on international copyright. But one of the things, I guess, is because it's made by the NHK, is it's very cheap. I think it's very pretty. I think they did a really good job with the resources they had to create a really good anime, unlike the, the anime advert for the uh, way of the house husband, quote-unquote anime. Um like, they knew what their, their limitations were, and they seem to have stuck with that because it's supposed to be more of an advert of Japan rather than an, an anime that anime fans will follow. It's also, they chose their target well in that mm. there's not much action. That's true. <laughs> there doesn't have to be based on the story. Mm-hmm. They can just pan up one of, like, a colored, somebody just colored in one of the scenes from the manga, and then they just pan the camera across it. Yeah. And it works really well. Yeah. Would you keep watching the anime? I'll watch it with you if you want to. This is going to come up in another episode later. But because it, we can only find it on the NHK website, it's slightly a pain in the ass to watch. Because <laughs> it means, you know, I have to get the computer and plug the computer into the TV. And then you can't use any remotes. So you have to go deal with that and this and that. And it's slightly a pain in the ass. And you're which, lazy. It's When you compare it to other things, I think that's the issue. Mm. And I'll get more into this when we review what I'm thinking about later. Okay. But... When you look at the ease of being able to use Netflix on pretty much anything mm-hmm. and then compare it to something like this. You're going to watch a Netflix show. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. But I probably will keep reading it as well. Good. So we're on accord on that? Yes. And I think that kind of brings us to the end. Ooh. Thanks for recommending this to me. Thank you for finally reading it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I only took forever. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Well, this has been another episode of Otofususume, or Recommendations from My Otaku Spouse. 
I was Jen. I was Wesley, and you can find us online at www.annabrosecreative.com. Or on Twitter at Creative. You can leave comments on the website, or you can tweet at us. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you know anyone who wants to visit Kyoto and would love to learn about the Maiko background, recommend the anime and recommend this episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.